0: Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better. Helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments, here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson.
1: All right. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I'm Austin Wilson, Co-Portfolio Manager at Hickson Zirker Capital Management.
2: And I'm Josh Robb, Director of Wealth Management at Hickson Zirker Capital Management. Austin, how can people help us with our podcast?
1: Well, first of all, we'd love it if you'd subscribe if you're not subscribed. So you get new episodes when they drop each and every Thursday, as we've done for a long time. A long time. Do that. And we would love it if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also, Ooh. if you
2: have not, make sure you sign up for our stock draft. Fourth annual. Yes, fourth annual stock draft. Second it's half. It's free. It's fake money. So there's it's free fake money. No worry at all but uh, you can get all the information on our website or if you look on social media all the different places go backwards a little bit it became active on June 30th so enjoy join us you can join anytime
1: absolutely so Josh yes. today yes. we're going to be warming up to the idea of fire and fire. I have a burning question
2: burning question
1: what is fire yes. what the heck is fire
2: fire is an acronym Oh, that of course stands it's an for acronym F I R E wait
1: does the finance industry have acronyms ever?
2: Oh, they! I mean, everything they can shorten to something else they're going <laughs> to do. it. FIRE, F-I-R-E stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. right? And, and that's is, a movement. It's lit. It is. It is on fire. This is a lifestyle and financial strategy aimed at achieving independence and retiring at a younger age than you see normally. So okay. the average age is somewhere between 62 and 65. So they're looking to retire early So the primary idea behind FIRE movement is to up your savings while you're working, invest a significant portion, work hard, and postpone some of that enjoyment to kind of get to that stage earlier.
1: And that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about is the math of how this has to work.
2: Yes. Yeah, we're going to talk through that. There's a lot of blogs, articles that talk through this FIRE movement and We are going to link in the show notes one, which is a Forbes article just talking in general about the idea. But if you do a Google search, you'll come up with a lot of different thoughts on it. So let's first start by breaking that down. So financial independence is really just meaning that at that point in time, you no longer are reliant on future income to provide. You have enough savings that you can provide your own income for your needs. So that's the goal for everybody. I mean, that's what the point of retirement is. is At some point, you've saved enough money, accumulated enough where you can cover your own expenses right. without needing new income from a job. And then retire early is just saying, okay, I've reached that financial independence at an earlier age than most people. So 62, 65 in the United States is kind of the average retirement window. They're trying to get there in the 40s or 50s. Yeah. Or some that Even have earlier. a more extreme one are trying to get there in their 30s, yeah. which is crazy. Woo! We're going to talk through the three factors that make financial independence. All right. So the first one is your savings rate. So how much of your income are you saving? When you look at a retirement plan, you look at how much do I need? And to get to that number, you need to know how much am I going to be taking out of the portfolio? So how big does my portfolio need to be is dependent on how much am i going to withdraw from. All right. And... There's a 4% rule. We've talked about this in some of our retirement planning episodes. Historically speaking, if you had a 30-year retirement, you could take 4% out of your portfolio that first year and then adjust that for inflation going forward and have enough historically through most retirement periods to last 30 years. Known
1: as a sustainable withdrawal rate. Yes.
2: So 4% is that. Well, that's for a 30-year retirement because that's what they used as their planning. For FIRE, they are planning on retiring early. They're lengthening that window. So 4% may be a little aggressive. right? But you have to choose some withdrawal rate to then get your, your future number. So if you're doing a 4% withdrawal, you need to multiply your need by 25% to get up to that withdrawal window. right? But fire people save 25% or higher of their income is kind of that starting threshold to be considered in that fire movement. But for most of them who have a shorter time period, we're talking 40, 50% of their income is being saved oh, per yeah. year. So it's a very, very high saves rate, which results in them living pretty frugally. So that's the first one is your savings rate. The second one is investment returns. How do I know I'm financially independent? If I have enough money to last my lifetime. Right. And again, the unknown there is how much do I need to spend? And one factor there's inflation. Don't know how long or how much inflation is going to be. We had some high inflation could be low, last could be high. couple of years. The long-term average is about three and a half percent. And so you have to grow your money higher than that in order to keep up with inflation. So investment returns, especially during your savings period, since you're condensing it into a shorter time period, you need more consistent or higher earnings to achieve that goal. Historically speaking, 8 to 10% is what the stock market gets us yep. long-term. Yep. Now, again, for some of those people in the FIRE movement, investment returns matter a lot. And if let's say you're 25 and you start this and you want to retire at 40, you don't have a big window. And so... I mean, that's 15 years. And we know, historically speaking, you've never lost money in the stock market over a 17-year period yep. in the stock market. But that doesn't mean you had the average return. It just means you weren't zero or negative.
1: Well, and you throw in a fair market or two or three in that time frame, and yep. the timing means a lot. Timing means a timing lot. Timing does not mean a lot when you have 30 or 40 years. Right. Correct. Timing's almost irrelevant yep. if you stick to a plan over a long time frame. But over a condensed time frame, timing matters a whole heck of a lot. Yeah.
2: And then I already mentioned this, your withdrawal rate, which is based off your spending. So for fire people, financial independence means I'm saving enough that I'm going to reach the goal. The goal is set by knowing how much I'm going to need to spend in retirement. And that one has to be a little more conservative because you're stretching the time period. And then in order to get there, I have to have some sort of assumption on my returns and for most people in that movement, you can't assume market returns because you shorten the period of time. Right. So all that compresses into how do you get to that financial independent number? And so let's say you're gonna be spending, you know, sixty thousand dollars, you multiply that to get to your need at starting point, and you say, Okay, if I'm doing four percent withdrawal, gets me up to one point five million or somewhere right around there. You then say how much do I need to save per year in order to get there in right. that time frame. Yep. And you can assume some sort of growth rate, but I wouldn't use eight to ten. This right. is too short. And then, two, how much am I saving? So growth and savings yep. are a factor in there.
1: So, Josh, the question is: yes. This sounds daunting, perhaps a little intimidating yes. when you look at it. Why would people want to think about fire?
2: Yeah. So everybody's doing that, and all those calculations I just threw out there. There's calculators online. If you oh just yeah. look oh up yeah. fire calculator, it does it all for you. So you don't have to remember and burn all that. Rate yeah, they and have all that.
1: Oxygen yes. level. Yes. Yeah, O2 level. Water.
2: But there's calculators that will tell you your number and and your savings rate. But why don't people do that? So they say, you know what? It's delayed gratification. That's really what this is. It's saying, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice some stuff now so that I have more freedom earlier. And so people look at this and say, you know, maybe they're young 20s. And they say, I don't have kids yet. I have pretty low expenses. If I'm really careful about my spending, I can put a lot of money away which maybe gives me a head start or just gets me closer to that retirement number sooner. Mm -hmm. So that's the appeal to a lot of these people. Some of them, they live frugally and they're already kind of saving a good chunk of their money and just wanting to know, when do I don't have to do this anymore?
1: The most successful people at this that I've seen have been the ones that have an extraordinarily high level of income already. Yes. So 25%, 50% of their income, whatever that number is, you pick it, it doesn't make them live an unrealistic lifestyle. And yeah. we're going to get to some of this yes. discussion later, but your income level surely has an impact. It does, but surprisingly,
2: you don't need a super high income to do this because your savings rate matters. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you made $200,000, you're right in that. If you're going to do half, save half your income, you just pre- take taxes out, let's say it's all net. You can still live on 100000 and save 50%. That's a pretty nice lifestyle. But the same is true if you're doing 50, is if... Your lifestyle can sustain living on $25,000. So you're debt-free. Yeah. And you, you know, your costs are pretty low. You don't spend a lot on groceries. You could do the same thing because, yeah. again, it's just living below your lifestyle. But you're right. It's easier with higher income, right? for sure. You and won't you get make there, this big
1: of sacrifices. No.
2: but there's a lot of people in the FIRE movement with what I would call blue-collar, moderate incomes that have successfully done this because mm-hmm. they are very aware of their spending. Because that's really the key that you control a lot of. And you know, a lot of them will do side hustles, get extra income just during that phase where they're like supercharging their savings.
1: So Josh, I've skimmed ahead in your notes yes. here. And I've noticed that there is a Forbes article that talks about... Three different approaches yes. to FIRE. Talk about like the different levels yeah. that you could look at when you go into yeah. this.
2: It's kind of a broad topic. means a lot of different things to different people. Yeah. And so these are, in the Forbes article, they kind of broken into three categories. These are the terms they use. I think across my research, you see these pop up a lot. So there's one that they call FAT FIRE.
1: That's me. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> so that's that the, the concept Death there is fire. you want to retire without altering your current standard of living. And so... I talked about all those different things you control. If you say, I don't really want to reduce my spending, then how much income I have and how much I save in return, you know, those are important. But I don't want to adjust how much I am spending right. right now. So that's a fat fire movement. Then there's the opposite, which is lean fire, which is saying, hey, I'm really going to cut my expenses. So I'm going to live very lean in order to achieve this. You know some of the articles you read about, they're like living on twenty five thousand dollars for a family, which is just crazy. You know because they're they're not spending on anything. They're eating the cheapest stuff they can. They blog about couponing and all the things they can do to cut their costs, and they're using their spending level as their key point to achieve that financial independence. And then there's the barista fire, which is that's the term I've seen used all different types of terms for that one, but the idea being it's somewhere in between where you're a, a more moderate lifestyle but also increasing that with finding more income. So it's like, I'm still spending some. I'm not as frugal as those lean fire people, but I'm also not spending like most people in my income bracket would. I'm kind of-
1: Yeah, and I might work part-time. Yeah,
2: or post hitting your fire number, what do people do? Because that's the key. And I think that's one of the most deceptive things of this fire movement is from the outside, people see this and think, oh, once they hit that number, they retire at 35 and they're done. But most people, part of their- financial independence is some sort of passive income or earned income. Some of them, one or the other. The passive income side is maybe they invested some of their savings into rental properties, things like that. So they're getting a stream of income coming in while they're retired, uh, but they're not working a normal job. And then the other part, like you mentioned, is gig work or part-time work. A lot of these blog people, that's how they're earning money because oh, they're yeah. blogging about their... Fire lifestyle. And they have and subscription they're making costs money. or yep.
1: advertising.
2: And so they have income in retirement, but it's at their leisure. So again, financial independence or retirement for most people in this group means I'm only working at my pace, doing what I want to do at my flexibility. Right. There's still work involved. There's still income involved, but they're no longer tied to the job because they need the income. They're doing income to supplement at their pace. Yeah. So yes. So I think The best way to describe that FIRE movement, like you were mentioning, is financial independence means I don't have to work the way I was before, and I have enough saved that provides the majority of my needs. Some just may need some extra income or choose to have extra income to enhance what they want to do in retirement.
1: So it sounds like it kind of depends on what your goals are for retirement, as in time frame and all of that, and what you want retirement to look like, Whether which of those approaches is going to work best for you. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, Josh, I have some fire-related dad jokes. I'm excited. So uh, close your ears if you're sensitive to fire or if you're a pyromaniac, close your ears. All right, Josh, what did the flame say to his buddies after he fell in love?
2: Oh, I don't know.
1: I found the perfect match. Match. Uh, (laughs) What happens when wildfire tells you a joke?
2: I don't know. You get burned. You get burned.
1: So those are some good ones there. I like it. All right, so if you're thinking about fire there's certainly a lot of thought process that Mm -hmm. goes into this. So let's talk about some of the principles, some of the steps that go into really considering this movement.
2: So we'll talk about if you're interested in this, some of the things you need to do to start planning. And I'm going to follow this up with some things to think about because a lot of times you're going to read these blogs of people doing it and they make it sound amazing. But I want to point out a couple of things to think about. Agreed. All right. So the first one is, first thing you got to do, and this is true with any financial planning, is define your goals. Start by clarifying exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve and I've said this before, we've talked about it, is if you don't know where you're going or what you're trying to do, it's hard to stick with a plan. Yep. You got to know the end point. So determine what age would you like to be financially independent? How much money do you need when you do retire? And then also, how much can I save? And then see if those match. Because if you are saying I want to retire in five years, I don't have anything saved. I might be able to save 5%. Probably not going to get there. But you can tweak some of those things and, and maybe make it work lifestyle, expenses. So for most people, I ask, what do you need in retirement to live on? They'll say, I don't know. And I'll say, okay, a good starting point. What are you spending now? Because most people, when they transition from work to retirement, not this is not fire, but just in general, is your expenses are pretty close to what you're doing at this point. Right. Not a lot of people go backwards in retirement. Now, you could get some cost savings because you're not working. So maybe you're You know, less clothes purchases that you have to wear. Uh, Maybe your food budget and Mm -hmm. gas is changing because you're not going to work all the time if you're eating out at work, those things. But in general, you know, you're going to spend 80, 90% of what you're spending pre retirement. Now, these fire people, though, they may be artificially reducing their spending to get to that point. So again, you can't just look at your current spending. You got to say, what will it look like in retirement? And try to extrapolate that. So track your current expenses and then identify. Where can I cut back now if I need more savings, and where will things change when I do retire? If I have extra time, am I going to find some hobbies that cost money? Am I going to do more travel? What, what's going to what is my time going to be spent on? And then the next step is once you get that goal and know you're spending, how much do I save? Again, the a fire, <laughs> a fire, the fire movement is saving. You know, like I said, the minimum for the fire really is about twenty five percent most people are 30 40 50%. It's, you know, it's a pretty aggressive savings pattern. How do you save more? Two ways. You increase your income or you reduce your expenses. So you got to walk through those and say, okay, which of those two is as high priority for me? You may not be able to increase your income as much because of where you currently work may have some restrictions or you just don't have time to do extra. Also then it comes to cutting expenses. Or you may say, you know what? I've got a pretty lean budget, I got to find some extra work. And then you go that route. So that's the next step. So we got goals, we got our spending, we got our savings planned. So then it looks at, okay, that budget piece. One of the top things most of these fire people do is they get rid of debt. They do not want debt once they hit that financial independence, any kind of obligation.
1: Mortgages included everything. everything. Yeah. So
2: paying off a mortgage before, you know, like 35, 40 years old, uh, just getting rid of everything that also frees up your income for more savings. Yeah. The investing part is next. Since you're shortening up your time frame, you had to be aware of what could happen. Last year is a great example. Last year, the stock market was down. If you're in that FIRE movement, if you're in the saving phase, that's okay. You're, you're still plopping more. money in. Right. Uh, a lot of money there that's going to recover. Last
1: year was a detrimental year to start the FIRE movement in terms of getting yes. retired.
2: Yes. If that's was your financial dependent number, you may have had to push it back yeah. a year. Yeah. So invest wisely based on a good market assumption that you think you can achieve. The second piece of that is invest wisely in where you put your money. Yeah. And this is going to be something and one of my things to consider. But since you're planning on retiring early, retirement accounts, traditional retirement accounts, 401Ks, 403Bs, IRAs, they have a restriction up until 59 and a half that there's a penalty if you take your money out. And so you got to be careful where you put your money, not just how much you're saving or how you're investing it.
1: And you're thinking, you're taking my thunder already because that was one of my yes. challenges later yep. on. And uh, that's one to be one of the things we yep. talk
2: about. Now, they do encourage you, and I, I agree, to try to maximize those retirement accounts because from a tax savings it's down it the road, the best, yeah. even if you retire early and you need some money outside of there, you're going to utilize those later. And you can get tax-free or tax-deferred growth, depending on the type of account, for those later years. So while it is important to have money that you can access before that, you still need some of that money because that's the best way to save long-term because of the tax advantages. Absolutely. And then... Like any plan, you need to reassess it based on what's going on around you. Maybe new goals popped up. Maybe you started this plan and then you started having kids and it readjusted your priorities. Who knows? But readjust it, make those adjustments along the way. You know, Again, a financial advisor is very helpful in helping you plan for these type of things. So people in the fire movement, they have a goal. It's really not stopping work. It's working at their pace, doing what they want to do. A lot of times you'll see somebody that was maybe in a corporate job and they just maybe got burned out. So they worked hard and then now they're doing something that's more enjoyable. for them. Right. That's a lot of times when I think of the fire movement, I don't think of people hitting a number and then just stopping. It's usually they do something different, something that's more enjoyable to them at a younger age. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I always view this. Before we get to your thoughts and we kind of go through what we've seen and how we feel about the fire movement. Here's some things I put down as considerations. You may have a couple extra to add to this, but my thoughts were, first of all, understand the trade-off. You are delaying gratification. In other words, you're taking away some things you could be doing now for a future event. Great. The problem is there's no guarantee for the future.
1: That's one of my thoughts as yeah.
2: well. And so I think it's great, and I've seen people do this. It's yeah. awesome. Pretty successful. Gives them freedom. A lot younger age. Pretty cool. I've also seen people save and then the thing they thought they were going to be able to achieve, something comes up, life happens. Maybe they're taking care of a family member, so they can't do the travel or the things they wanted to do. Maybe there's something that happens to their health and they're unable to continue doing what they were hoping to do. So I'm more of a moderation type of guy. We've talked about this. I think saving for the future is hugely important, but you also need to enjoy life now and take advantage of the opportunities you can. So fire movement isn't as appealing to me in the full extreme end. Maybe the more barista style where you're shortening that retirement period but still enjoying some stuff now. The other one that is a consideration is, boy, are you exposed to the market volatility. Oh, absolutely. At 2030, when you really should be dumping a bunch of money in. You shouldn't be worrying about it. And not worrying about it or planning on touching anytime soon. you, You get a lot closer to that. You shorten your investment period. Now, you still need money to grow post the FIRE movement where you officially change into financial independence. But up to that point, there's just a lot of volatility. And I've seen people really freak out as they get close to that number and take a lot less volatility when really they're young and could be compounding. The stress satisfaction trade-off is, you know, again, if you're going all gung ho on this or anything in general, um, you know, paying off debt, saving money, saving fifty percent of your income, you could really burn yourself out and oh, yeah. sometimes figure out, is this really worth it? Is all the extra hours I'm working to get there worth it? Or am I giving up or trading off something that's more important? The other one I thought of, and this is something that, depending on what article you read or where you go, they don't really address this. Healthcare. Mm. If you retire early and you have to find private insurance, it's not cheap. Private healthcare is expensive. Yes, And you're going to be stretching that time period when you're going to need it. So make sure you factor that into your expenses that there is a lot of costs that go into healthcare when you don't have like a company retirement plan. If you are working shorter, all your benefits are reduced. So social security, everything you're paying into is reduced. Uh, Even your 401ks and matches, everything is going to be reduced. So a shorter career can impact other things. Um, While you get some financial freedom, the end result may be that down the road, future benefits maybe aren't as good as they could have been. Right. So those are my thoughts. Austin, what do you have?
1: Yeah. Do I see myself doing this? No. No. I think a number of factors go into that. Number one, it kind of depends on desires for your family, too. Mm -hmm. Because if I look at my life and I say, okay, I have two little girls at home and a wife at home, and I'm the sole provider for our family, is this a practical lifestyle for someone like me? In the way that I like to live? No, 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 no. I think that my job as provider, it gives me a lot of responsibility to work hard to give them you know, everything they need, of course, and, a, and some fun things along the way as well, and I don't want to turn some of those off. Yep. So I think there's a lot of flexibility that that gets taken out of. There, I've seen some of the shacks that these people live in, or campers, and, and that's not super appealing to yep. me. And I'm a guy who likes stability, mm-hmm. and and I think that this is not the most stable way to go long-term. Yeah. I've actually, you know, the flip side of this is that, you know, yeah, a lot of these a lot of these people achieve retirement at an early age to be a little bit more flexible, but the the 40-hour work week kind of uh, normal career is actually one of the most underrated way to become a millionaire. Yeah, And it's really not that bad. Mm-mm. And we're made to work. We've yeah. been made to work from the beginning, so it's not like it's going to be healthy to just do nothing right. in your 40s or whatever. So I have problems with this. Some people do it well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that the in the amount of... The amount of current spending that I'd have to give up to get there too would be a, a really stressful thing, like we already don't live too extravagantly, I don't think sometimes, but to be able to do this would be like nah, I'm not willing to eat ramen all week,
2: yeah, and that's where I come down to is I enjoy what I do, yeah, so it's not like I'm trying to get out quickly I like being a financial planner I like helping people set those plans and and get there and i and I hope to be able to do this for a long time, so I'm not even in the mindset where I'm trying to hurry and get there. Yeah, I've known people that I have and they right. just didn't enjoy what they're doing or things like that and they just needed to get out. This was a way to do it. But yeah, I'm with you in that, you know, the ability to enjoy some things now as well as say for the future, it makes more sense to me. I am not opposed, if I'm helping somebody plan and we can set up a plan like this, I'm not opposed to help them do it. I just will be always very clear. Here's the things you're going to trade for. Mm-hmm. Here's the things you're going to have to be aware of. And there may be a point later on that you may have to go back to work. And if you have like a 10-year gap in your work history, it may be a little harder to get back to where you were. And so just making aware of all those situations. But for me, it's it's not appealing. I don't want to burn myself out now because I do something I love. Now, I will say I did know a couple people, one of which retired earlier and ended up doing a lot of charity stuff. And so it was fulfilling for... This person to be able to swing from working to doing things that helped other people. And he was financially able to do that. Great. Yeah. Uh, You know, and there, there was purpose and passion and fulfillment there. Kind of unique situation. And they were fine with that. And their income was good. Their assets were good. But It's not for everyone. And again, keeping and maintaining that passion is important. Finding something that gives you purpose.
1: I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head that's like, yeah, you don't feel the pressure when you come to work each day. You like what you do. You Mm -hmm. like where you work. You like the people you work with. All of those things. I think if everyone found that, then the pressure to be burning the candle at both ends to get to the the finish line early wouldn't necessarily be there. and You could enjoy life along the way because if you work at a place that values you and values your family and values all the stuff you're not going to have that burnout anyway. No. So you're not going to this isn't going to be as tempting. While again, it could be for some, it's not going to be if you're in that situation. Correct. So we would we would probably encourage people to look for that as yeah. a, as a plan A. Yeah. That's going to be a lot less stress on you and your family. And as family guys ourselves again, this is something that would be a, a big challenge.
2: Yep. And again, if you're interested in learning more check it out. You can Google it, find it online. There's a lot of information out there floating around.
1: All right. So yeah, thanks for being here this week and tune in next week. We'll have another episode for you. If you know someone who was asking about what fire was, and we're not talking about starting one in a cave, yep. send them the link to this episode. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a nice review. on have a podcast for Spotify and until next week, have a great week. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the invested dad's podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review, click subscribe, and don't miss the next episode. Josh, Rob, and Austin Wilson work for Hicks & Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks & Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks & Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast there is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.